I'm excited to preach today, and uh, I hold it in tension with the, the reality that Pastor Steve and Tina are not here, as you noticed, and many of you knew because you may have seen it on social media or different things. Um, last Sunday, they left from church and essentially went to the airport and headed out to Texas, kind of last minute. They didn't plan on that um, because some dear friends of the family, uh, actually two families that used to be in our church who are both... Um, uh, tied together by marriage, and um, their, their son and daughter, uh, Casey and Haley Riches, uh, who moved to Texas years ago, and had, um, they had a, a son named Bowie, and Bowie was going to turn five in, in February, and essentially he came down with uh, a very extremely rare uh, form of viral meningitis, and, um, and even as rare it is, as it is, it's even more rare uh, that it would be as extreme as it was. And, and it was quick and it was sudden. It was not expected. And it's on the backdrop of the fact that Tim and Lori, uh, who many of you know, they've been in our church for many years, been friends of our family for 25 plus years. Uh, I knew Haley when she was two years old. Uh, she used to think that she was going to marry me, and she didn't. She married Casey. Um, <laughs> But we just go way back. There are neighbors lived right next door to us, dear friends of our family. And, um, and their grandson, three years ago, Cash, uh, came down with a very similar virus and as an infant uh, went to be with Jesus. And so on the backdrop of that, this week was really tough. And just a few short days ago, Bowie went to be with Jesus as well. And um, you might have seen it on social media. You might have seen it shared. And um, this is one of those that I, nor does anybody, I, I just don't, I don't understand it. And I'm not even quite sure as I stand here before you today, how or why, like, um, it, it just, I don't get this one. Doesn't make sense. Um, and it's, it's dark and it's difficult and it's hard and it's painful and, um, and I live in these paradoxes of emotions as I experience this from afar. And yet there's a beauty that happens in the midst of this thing, this kind of thing. And that's the beauty of community. And you've heard Pastor Steve probably say it. If you've been around any amount of time, you've probably heard him say, you can't make new old friends. And these guys came into our lives 25 plus years ago. We didn't expect it. And they became dear friends and were part of the church and helped build church and, and were just integral parts of our community. And Kyle and Annette Riches as well, part of our community for many years before they moved. And, um, but the beauty of it and the tragedy and the beauty and the tragedy and the beauty is that Pastor Steve and Tina got on a plane and they went and they said, you got to drink this cup of suffering and it's going to taste bitter but we're going to drink it with you. And the power of community is not that we avoid suffering, but that we share it. Pastor Steve and Tina had the bitter task and the holy task of sharing in a cup of suffering this week. And I want to say thank you to our community who by extension are in Texas right now. Like my heart is there. Many of your hearts are there. Many of you gave. Many of you have supported. Many of you have been praying. You've shared the, the GoFundMe, all of that kind of stuff. And because we weep, we weep and we ache and we pain together. And the promise of the faith is not that we avoid it. 
Yes, we believe in miracles, but sometimes the promise of the faith is that in the midst of a lack of, of certainty and a lack of the, the things that we wanted to see, and even as dark as this is, that we rush in and we say, I don't have the answer to this one, but one thing I do know is I'm not leaving your side. And may we follow Jesus' example and our pastor's example and be the kind of Christians who we say, I'm not running from pain, I'm running into it. And I don't get it, I don't know what to say, I don't have the answers, I'm mad at God, even maybe more than you are, but I'm gonna walk this suffering, pain, this thing, I'm gonna walk it with you until we see the other side. And that's the power of community. And so, um, what I want to do is actually, would you pray with me for Pastor Stephen Tina, but especially for Casey and Haley, as they lost their only child, their son, and uh, for Tim and Lori, and for Kyle and Nanette, and for their entire family, and uh, by extension, so many who are praying and caring. Can we pray together and believe that in the midst of this, these ashes, that beauty is coming? And I, I don't want to sound trite, uh, but I, I hold fast to that. And I hold it in tension with the fact that this just sucks. It just does. Can we pray? Lord, thank you for um, community. God, suffering happens. The sun sets and rises on the wicked and on the good. On those who love you and those who hate you. God, on the just and the unjust, I mean, God, it just, it is but we thank you that you loved us so much that you sent Jesus to bear the weight and to set an example that we might follow as community, as believers together, for those who love you and don't yet, that we'd be the kind of people who go into the situations where there's tension and pain and just say, we're here. And Lord, we pray for uh, Pastor Steve and Tina that you'd strengthen them as they um, heal and help their friends heal. We pray for Tim and Lori this is their second grandson. There's no answer, but you're there in the midst. You're weeping with them. We pray for Colin and Nanette, whose hearts are broken. We pray for Casey and Haley, who's, who've lost their son. And God, we pray for the friends that will surround them in these days and the days to come. And we, we, we pray the same prayer over our entire community. For every known situation, there are dozens and hundreds of unknown situations that are just as dire and they're difficult and they're painful. And yet you rush to each of them, let us do the same. We thank you, God, for the beauty that is in the darkness, but the beauty and the light and the dark and the, all of this intention that we understand, God, that you are still moving and working. We trust you and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. amen. Thank you for doing that. And... Uh, Ah, hard stuff. Um, but in the midst of that, we get together. And man, it, 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 I, for me, it kind of underscores the importance of doing this, right? And you, you experience that, and it's like, man, I don't, I, I don't want to navigate suffering, but I definitely don't want to do it in a closet. Like, I want to do it with some people and uh, let them lift my arms when I need it and do the same for others. And uh, that's why we gather, and that's why we do things like 21 days of prayer and fasting. And we're two-thirds of the way through. I know Alyssa talked about our worship night next week. Man, I just believe it's going to be like a crescendo of just the spirit moving and a powerful time of worship and prayer together. And we have childcare, so you have no excuse. <laughs> Unless bedtime is 6.45-ish, uh, which at that point you do have an excuse, and I feel your your pain, but uh, that's going to be a fun time, and um, I want to turn your attention to Ephesians chapter 3, and we're going to begin to read in verse 16, 
I'll give you a little context in just a moment, but ultimately this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. And uh, he's writing to encourage them, to challenge them. And he's writing this one from prison. And that's going to give a little bit of a backdrop here in a moment. But I want to begin to read. And if you don't have your Bibles, it's on the screen. I do encourage you to bring your Bible and take notes. Uh, There's something powerful about that. But uh, if you don't, we still love you, and it's on the screen. It says this in verse 16. Say, I'm there. If you're there. Say, I'm there. Say, I'm there if I'm not there. Like, oh, whatever. You didn't even, I don't even know. Don't repeat my whole sentence. I pray that out of his glorious riches, that he, Jesus, that the, the Spirit, that he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. I like how the Amplified Version says it. It says, may he strengthen and spiritually energize your inner self with the power that comes from the Holy Spirit. How many of you want to be spiritually energized this year? How many of you want to live depleted this year? How many of you want to go throughout the world and like as long as things are great, you're happy, but the moment something happens, you get knocked off kilter and the rest of your life sucks? Okay, none of us, right? But sometimes we do that because we draw our strength from the wrong spaces. And I want to talk this morning, if you're taking notes, you can title this, Fresh Air for Your Soul. Fresh Air for Your Soul. And uh, let's pray and let's invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us that he would infuse us with strength uh, in this morning. And as we go out and as we survey the year, that we'd be strong and it would be a strength from within. Lord, um, thank you for the beauty that is community. And even as we already prayed uh, and we live in this tension, we thank you, God, that our strength is not um, based on external things, but it, it is from within. And it's not even from within us, but it's from the spirit that is living in us. God, may we draw from it today. May we be filled up today. May we be encouraged today and empowered. God, that you'd infuse us with a shot of something that's more than a five-hour energy that doesn't even work. God, that it would be an infusion of life and breath from God. That we'd leave here changed, encouraged, and ready to do whatever you've called us to do in spite of what we see with our eyes. In Jesus' mighty name, everyone said, amen. Amen. How many of you would say that in your life at some point, but maybe even particularly in the last two years, you felt a sense of being depleted at some time or another? You ever felt depleted? And I'm talking more than just like it's been a long day, you had some difficulties, you had a boss yell at you, you yelled at someone, you yelled at your boss, probably a no-no, long day, difficult time, whatever it might be, and then you come in and before you get to the garage door, you realize I should have sat in the driveway for six minutes to detox before I hear what sounds like a rhinoceros running at me, but it's no, it's my three small children ages six, three, and almost two that are running at me saying, I don't care if you're ready for me, dad, we're ready for you. There's that kind of depleted. I'm like, can I take a 45-minute nap upstairs, please? The answer is always no. And there's that kind of depleted, and that's real. That's a daily thing, though. I mean, it's kind of life, right? You got some long days. You got some short days. You got some good days. You got some bad days. There's that, but then there's like those sustained seasons where it's day after day or week after week or month after month or even for some of us year after year where we feel like it's just been this slow drip of, uh, of depletion. And we're exhausted and depleted mentally and emotionally and relationally and even spiritually 
And it becomes this thing where we're beginning to live anxious and we don't even know anymore why we're anxious. We just know that we sort of are. Like I, I was talking with a friend recently and, and I've been doing this as well. And he, he, he um, got a counselor in this last year and just, just to process life. And, and he gets in one of his sessions with this counselor and the counselor was like, so tell me, um, why are you here? And he's like, I was going to ask you that question because I have no clue. All I know is that I'm here and I think the sky is turning in on itself, but I can't really tell. Is it purple? Is it brown? Is it orange? Is it black? I think it is a little bit. I'm not sure if I'm okay, but I feel really weird right now, but I don't know why. So can you fix me, please? Anyone ever felt that? And he's like, I just don't, I don't even know because it's been, like, we all rallied, right? We rallied it in 2022, and we saw all the commercials that said, we're all in this together, and we're like, yeah, revival's coming, the Lord's doing a new thing, and it just so happens that all these songs that were written a few months before got recorded, and they're like the soundtrack to the early 2020 year, and we just feel like, like we're going to take the world, and, and it's the third great awakening, right? Like, we all felt that. We're like, I'm going to grow this year, and I'm going to change my disciplines, and 2020 woke me up, and now look at us, and we rallied for like a little bit, but then there was this slow drip, and I don't even want to blame COVID or anything like that, but maybe it's indicative of sometimes how life happens is that you rally, but then you experience this thing where it's like, I can't point to any one thing, but I just, I know that I'm feeling empty. I'm feeling exhausted. I'm feeling troubled, and I can't really put my finger on it or articulate it, but I am depleted. And the Apostle Paul, again, he's writing from prison in this, this, this letter. This is one of four letters that, that Paul wrote from prison. So he's in chains, and he's writing to encourage his, his people, his churches that he started. He's writing to the church in Ephesus, and, and, and in this case, most of the believers were Gentile Christians. So a lot of times in those days, it was a Jewish culture. So many of the Christians were Jewish converts to Christianity. But in this case, this is a church full of like brand new believers. Like they don't have really a religious framework to their lives. They've come out of pagan religions or other religions or even less. They've come out of places where there is no God or sex is God or an idol is God. And all of these different things are God for them. So they convert from a worldly ideology into following Jesus and their souls what at times could feel like a bag of goods. And they're trying to live pure, and they're trying to do what is right, and they're trying to like not get sucked into the cultural like, uh, like immorality vortex that was that city at that time in those days. Much like maybe we feel at times, and I don't know that we could compare it, like it might be apples to oranges, but sometimes you feel like, man, the culture's going this way, and yet I feel like I'm supposed to follow Jesus this way, and they contradict each other, and I'm not really sure what's going on here, so I'm starting to get worn out. And they're getting worn out, and I can imagine some frustration amongst the people, and I can imagine being like, yo, <laughs> Paul, my guy, my dude, what's up, bro? Like, I, I love you, man. Like, you're, you're so nice. Um, but uh, our CEO being thrown in jail, not a good look for the movement. You know what I mean? Um, like, you, you, if, you, if you were to compare it to worldly, or I shouldn't say worldly, like standards of today, if you have the leader of a thing, a company or a movement or an organization or whatever, a nonprofit, and they get thrown in jail, 
because of the movement, you kind of start to say, yo, like, I'm not going to support that one. I'm not giving them my business because, like, there's something wrong here. And yet, this was like the sign that everything was working, is everything was going to shambles. Is that encouraging for you? Like, the worse it gets, the better you, no. Like, and so I can imagine, they're like, Paul, like, dude, you're in jail. This isn't a good look. And meanwhile, everybody else is living their best life. They're doing whatever they want. And they're having fun. And they're tweeting about it. And they're, in, they're, they're Instagram storying about it. And they're having, just having a good time. And it seems really fun. And they're not judging other people. They're just doing their thing. And they're discovering the truest form of their passions. And they're having a good time. And, and meanwhile... We're like making careers out of saying no to like everything. So Paul, what's going on? And insert in this moment Paul's encouragement, challenge, reminder. He says, I pray that out of God's glorious riches, his abundance, his more than enoughness, that he may strengthen you with power, but get this, through his spirit in your Outer being skin, no. In your external circumstances, no. That he would strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. That he'd strengthen you, that you and I, believers here in 2022, that we would receive the same admonition. That we would be strengthened with power, not by external things guaranteeing us a sense of hope. Because here's the truth, and you need to get this, and I need to get this. If we see Christianity and following Jesus as something that was meant to exist within an environment void of tension, then the very presence of tension will serve as proof that Christianity does not work. I'll say it again for you. That if you and I get duped into seeing following Jesus, seeing the Christian movement, the church, seeing Christianity as something that was meant to exist in an environment void of tension, then the very presence of that tension will serve as proof that it does not work. You ever been duped into that? That everything on the outside, like, bro, you heard of these Christians? You hear Stephen got stoned? And not with a, you know, he wasn't smoking. Like they smoked him with rocks and he died because he preached the gospel. And as the rocks are hitting him, like he's, he's living out his last sermon. It doesn't work. I mean, it was a good experiment. The church, it had its time. I don't know though. Because if God, then we'd see if God was, insert adjective, 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 do you, do you pronounce the adjective, right? Shar says yes. If God is good, then this would not happen. But by this happening, this must equate to God not being good. So the very presence of pressure means that staying true to scripture and to following Jesus is probably not a script worth modeling my life after. Like, if 
devastation of loss comes, then that must mean that God cannot be good. And we feel that in times like this week, do we not? So the very presence of this loss and this pain and this struggle and this mistake or this thing happening to us, it automatically equates to God could not be good because if he was good, then that would not happen. So the very presence of this tension is proof that Christianity does not work. So this loss or this living within an eroding culture, we see everything happening around us on the left, right, up, down, top, bottom, everywhere in the middle, and we see it and it means that there is no way for us to thrive as long as this is what is happening around me. And as long as this mandate, or as long as this curriculum, or as long as this thing is happening, then I cannot thrive because I was created to exist, void of tension. But I'm here to tell you that Christianity and Jesus' invitation into the abundant life that he says, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly, is not an invitation out of tension, but actually an invitation in to tension. That in the midst of tension, you can have abundant life. That in the midst of pollution, you can breathe fresh air. That in the midst of trauma, you can find healing before you find healing. This is the paradox of following Jesus, is that you don't get to experience everything that you want and everything doesn't always go your way, and at the same time, you have a freedom. Why? Because it's rooted in the depths of who you are, not at the surface level. And the crazy thing about it, I'm talking to my parents this week, how's it going? Like, what kind of question is that? Of course I know how it's going. I want to swear, but then we would have to not put it on the podcast. (laughs) But that's a good word to describe. I just want to say it because that's probably how it's going. This is stupid. It's wrong. It's bad. It's upside down. It's not what God intended. (sighs) And yet hearing my parents saying, man, there were some beautiful moments. How can you have beauty in that? Why? Because their strength is not rooted in an outcome. Their strength outlasts every outcome. Because a day will come where we are in eternity seeing the fullness and the fruition of everything God promised. And yet we can pull that eternity into now and say, God, I'm going to pray and believe for your healing power to be at work. And whether I see it today or I see it when I breathe my last breath and enter into eternity from now until forever, like I'm good either way, I'm still believing you that you're going to work. But Christianity, following Jesus, friends, let me invite you into the tension. God's abundant life is not a life void of tension. And let me clarify, there is some tension that needs to be addressed because it is wrong. You've experienced trauma. That needs to be acknowledged. And sometimes there needs to be things, whether it be repentance or delving into things at a core level of who you are or the system where it says, could it be that there's possibly some flaws in this that are perpetuating issues in in life or in my family or in my marriage or in my company or at my uh, in my class or whatever it might be that could it be that there are some things and so yes we must address them but let me encourage and challenge you the struggles existence though true will lie to you and say that as long as this exists you cannot breathe the fresh air God designed for you so as long as the tension's still there That abundant life, 
it's still out of reach. So that's why you find people angry working for a movement. Because their peace is rooted in an outcome. And not rooted in the fact that before I see the outcome, I have an inner peace that transcends the outcome. That if I see healing on this side of heaven or on the next side, I'm chill. Because God picked me up and he set my feet on a rock. So I'm good. This healing didn't happen. I'm still mad about it. I yelled at God in the car sitting in this parking lot day after day. I was mad. It's not even my son. Uh, It hits home. Casey and Haley were in our youth ministry. Casey used to dress like me when he used to think I was cool. (laughs) And then he stopped, and he way surpassed me. I mean, I've known Haley since she was two years old. It's, it hits home. It's true. <laughs> I used to wear the Tom's shoes. Nobody knows. Those were, in, those were cool for a while. And he started wearing them. But man, I was, I was mad at God. I was frustrated. And yet, in that tension, I declared over my future, not only what I believed for my future, but I declared over my future what I was going to declare over the future coming after that. That I said in 20 years, I'm going to still be praying the same prayer, God. That healing will flow at the mention of your name. I just believe it. My parents sang it over me. It's not something that I just will into my life. No, it's something I sing over my kids too. Something I believe. Why? Because I got an inner strength. Am I perfect? H, no. (laughs) But do I have an inner strength? You better know it. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that quickens me. Every time I'm weak, he is strong. I got the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. If you're a believer in Jesus, then you need to understand and open the door and realize, yo, I got the Holy Spirit of God on the inside of me. So if trouble comes my way, I'm still chill. Like if I lose the job, I'm still good. Like I'm okay. I might not need to not be lazy, but like I'm still good. I might need to repent and turn from my ways and acknowledge where I've messed up, but I'm still good because my clarity and my My rootedness and and who I know myself to be is not based in an external thing, but it is based in a transcendent reality that God is good and he sent his son to die. And when his son rose from the grave, defeating death, hell, and the grave, he went up and he said, yo, I'm not leaving you alone. I'm sending you a helper. And he's going to teach you everything that that I've already taught you. He's going to teach you again. He's going to remind you of everything that you need to know. So I got a strength. That comes from the inside of me. And Paul is saying here, he's saying, yo, don't look to an external feeling. And I'm preaching to me right now because I wish I felt more. 2020 and 21 has been the years where it's like, I feel things I don't want to feel. And I don't think, I don't feel the things I'm used to feeling that make me feel good. And sometimes I do. I still drink good coffee and that feels good. But I don't feel it all the time. But there's a well that doesn't run dry. And that in spite of my weakness, when I reach into it, I have everything that I need. And there's a reason that the Christian church around the world, that the darker the dark, the more explosive it is. Why? Because there's an inner strength, and it is not fake, friends. It is not mystical. It is real. It is the power of the living God who is real, not only is in heaven, but he's present right here. And he wants to live in you. And he wants to empower you and strengthen you. And when you feel weak, he says, I am strong enough that in spite of your weakness, I got you. 
I'm not letting go of you. How many of you want that strength? So Paul, he's saying, don't look to an external feeling because the guarantee will, 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 will try and fill you and you'll gauge how well things are going based on the absence of bad things. My prayer is that we would take a prophetic posture in this season. And as we look ahead to 2022 and the next 10 years and the next 50 years, I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't. But I'm gonna have a prophetic posture that says my spirit is not subject to anything or anyone that comes at me. That I, I still, I get to master my spirit, and by the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells in me, that I will not be subject to discouragement. Discouragement will come, and I will feel it. But in that moment, I will dig to a deeper well and pull out strength that does not make sense. What does he say in this passage? He says, it, it, it surpasses knowledge, or it's a knowledge that goes beyond. So it's a truth, and then it's like a deeper, more truth. And what I love hearing from people who've endured the most horrific things is they say, I've never known the strength and the goodness of God like I did in the midst of my darkest moments. Because there was a strength that was way down deep. So what do we do? What do we do? How do we get strengthened at a soul level? Number one got to change the metrics. You got to change the metrics. Here's what he says. I pray that from his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Everyone say inner being. And that word strengthened and in, in your inner being means to be strengthened at a soul level for power to be infused into the deep unseen parts of who you are. The deep unseen hidden parts of who you are, that in those places there would be a strength. We draw our confidence from inner things because, friends, the world's going to continue to externally not be perfect. I'll just say that. I don't want to prophesy over the future negativity. I don't know. Do you? Like, does anyone have any insight on what's going to happen like five years from now? Because if you do, I would love to get in on that. And especially if you know, like, stock prices. You know what I mean? Like, I'm down. Like, is the doge going to go back up? Drop 15% in six-hour period. Anyways, you don't even, some of you are like, what's doge? I'm sorry, dogecoin. Crypto. Um, we don't draw our confidence from that. And this is why it is so essential that we do the very same thing that the early church practiced and that the church in the dark ages practiced. The things that sustained and began revivals over the ages, what they practiced. Can I tell you what it is? Pray. Spend time with God. You need it. You can't, leave, you can't lead your family without it. You can't love your wife without it. You can't love your husband without it. You can't love your kids without it. You can't excel to the level that you want to without, like, you need it. You need time with God. And I think we've apologized too much. And, and what I don't want to do is I don't want to come at it with a, a harsh tone. I want to invite myself and us into a place where because of God's love, 
that we'd be yet again drawn into, but sometimes we've got to discipline ourselves. Like you ever known that your spouse loved you, but there was a moment of tension And so you had to will yourself to go apologize or will yourself to go be honest. Anyone ever felt that in your marriage? Everyone else got perfect marriages? Yeah, me too. Right? I love my wife. She's awesome. Really? And so am I. Gosh darn it, people like me. That's from Mad TV. Was it Mad TV? SNL. SNL, whatever. Uh, But there have been times. Argument, tension, rough day. One person responds to the other, kind of snaps, and it's, ah, what do you do? Do you wait for love to motivate you to go make it right? No. You know that you love, so you go make it right, right? And, and sometimes what we do is we wait for motivation to draw us into something that we ought to just remind ourselves, look, I'm going to go pursue God. I've never woken up at 5 a.m. and liked it. <laughs> It, like, I've never broke, woken up, but like, it's like, I was hearing stories. I, I just read a book um, about the revivals throughout the ages in the 1700s, 1700s, before electricity, right? Well, I don't remember when it was invented. I forgot history, but um, 1700s, they didn't have alarm clocks. I know that. And, um, and these people who would wake up at 3.30 every morning, college students, they'd wake up at 3.30 before alarm clocks to pray. And they would wear out the floors of the buildings that they'd be in with their knees. Many of them would have hard times walking later in life because of the amount of time they spent on their knees in prayer. Why did God wake the world up? You can put two and two together because they prayed. And what we need to do is we need to return to a place of prayer and intimacy with God. And perhaps not even for revival, but for relationship. God loves you and wants to spend time with you. There's no right way to do it. Just go sit. If you need worship music to assist you, guess what? There's Spotify and Apple Music. You choose your poison, like go for it. You can, get, you can listen to any worship that you want and it can fill your room. Some of, the, some of us, what we needed to be, just begin to do, like start with this. Fill your house with worship music and when you leave the house, turn Alexa on repeat and let it continue to play worship music over your home. Watch the culture of your home change. Do it. Like, I, I challenge you. Why? Because you'll walk in, not only will you feel the presence of God, but you'll hear the literal sound of worship music. And in that moment, oftentimes it will prompt you to spend a moment and just sit and pray. Be with God. When you drive, listen to worship music. Speak in tongues. Pray in your, like, go for it. Like, lean into God. Spend time with God. Read scripture. You and I cannot do this by ourselves. We need to return to scripture. Like, get in your word every day. We do a thing as a, as a youth ministry. We've done it for years. Many of you might do this. It's called SOAP, Scripture Abs- Application. Uh, sorry, Scripture Observation, Application, and Prayer. And so you read scripture. You write down one that sticks out. You, uh, what do you notice about it? Write something you can apply that week and then pray. Like it's simple, but we need this. And these disciplines are what get us into the place that when it's time to draw from the deep parts of us, we've got something to draw from, yeah. right? Like uh, Hayden's gonna get a gnome. She's super into gnome culture. Um, and so she wants a, a new gnome. And so I told her when she memorizes Psalm 91, we, we, we pray it every night over our kids, and um, she's almost got it. She starts to slur her words at the end, and then she gets mad because she's pretty much got it, and she's like, I said it mostly, and so I want a gnome. I say, no, 
Now you gotta say it with me. They who dwell in the secret place of the most high, I'm gonna say it really fast, will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I'll say to the Lord, He's my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, surely He will save me from the foulish snare and from the deadly pestilence. He'll cover me with his feathers, and on his wings I'll find refuge. His faithfulness will be my shield and rampart. I will not fear the terror of night and the arrow that flies by day, or the pestilence stalks in darkness, or the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand may fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, it will not come near me. Only with my eyes will I behold and see the reward of the wicked. If I say the Lord is my refuge and make the most high my dwelling, no evil will befall me, no plague will come near my tent, for he will command his angels concerning me to guard me in all my ways. They will lift me up in their hands that I won't even trip over anything common. I will tread upon the lion and the cobra. I will trample the great lion and the serpent because Hayden loves me, says the Lord. Because Jude loves me, says the Lord. Because Lennon will someday love me, says the Lord. But she's too young right now. She doesn't really understand anything, says the Lord. I will prosper them. I will be with them in times of trouble for they honor my name. I will rescue and honor them and with long life I will satisfy them and show them my salvation. And this is what we do. And her attitude stinks right now, but she's going to get it. But friends, some of us, we diminish it, and what's misty for us becomes foggy for our kids. And we wonder why they rage against God, rage against sound judgment, rage against the church, rage against Christians, rage against you, rage against the machine, everything else. They rage against everybody. Some people laugh, thank you. They're raging. Why? Because we told them to. We gave them permission to not care. It ought to be time that we return to the very thing that all the church throughout history has been doing, which is saying it's not about the rhythm, it's about what the rhythm does in me. I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna seek the face of God, I'm gonna realize that on my own I am not man enough to do anything, but with God all things are possible. I'm gonna get the scriptures on the inside of me, I'm gonna rest on the strength that comes from God, I'm gonna reach down on the inside of me so that my kids might have something that I can impart into them. And this is what we do. So what do we do? We change the metrics. It is not about what we see externally, but it is in spite of what we see externally. And this is number two. We remind ourselves of what we know. And we're in a culture that reminds everybody out about what we aren't sure about. What is broken? What isn't working? What is flawed? And again, friends, can I say how important it is to acknowledge those? Because some of us were like, yeah, what we know. And there's no willingness to engage the tension. Because we got to do that too. There are broken families and systems and structures and issues and all sorts of stuff all over the world. We live in a weird world, friends. So we got to touch that stuff. We got to mess with it. We got to engage it. We got to ask the Holy Spirit, would you expose what's in me? Because there could be something. I don't even want you to say there is. Just say that there there could be. And if there is, I want it out. I want to become like Jesus. So God, if there is evil in me, You better know until the day I breathe my last breath, I want you to get it out of me. So would you help me? I need it. And he'll get it. There's still going to be remnants. I was going to make a joke about my son. Uh, There's going to be remnants. You're still going to smell the scent. You keep cleaning. But you remind yourself of what you know. Here's what Paul says, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with God's people and grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. And this one takes discipline, friends. This takes discipline to remind yourself of what you know when you don't feel what you know. But if God is not greater than your feelings, then what you feel will become what you know and what you know will become reduced to a feeling. Isn't it funny that liquid has become solid and solid has become fluid in our culture? 
what we do in these moments is we say, I don't know what I don't know, but I do know what I do know. And I'm going to remind myself of what I do know, lest I forget what I do know. Here's what we do. You've all messed up. I've messed up. I've gone against what I aspired to be. I've lived short of my call, as has every human being ever since the beginning of time. And I've never questioned, ever, I mean, I've had questions. But as I stand here today, right, I've had moments in this last two years, too many to count, where I find myself um, aware of God's love but needing to feel it. Some of you have had dads and kind of broken, complex relationships with your dad. And you always knew he loved you. But there were some times for some of you where you're like, I just wish he'd tell me. Right? Like, I know he loves me. I kind of need a reminder of it, though. I need some strength to be infused into me. Because I'm not feeling it right now. And what we do in these moments is we remind ourselves of what we know to be true. Because if we're not careful, we will wait till all we do is feel. And it will cause us to say, no, well, I, I don't feel this anymore. So maybe, maybe it was a good season, but I kind of, I'm done with church now. Because it's not working for me anymore. Because I'm not feeling what I used to feel. I had a conversation with a student on Wednesday night. It feels different nowadays. I'm like, me too. I share that feeling with you. But when I feel that, the difference has got to be that I remind my inner self what I know is true. What I know is true, not what I feel is true. What you feel is not always truth. And even some of the truths that you know are true will lie to you. And they will try and lead you. And so what do we do? We get back to the truth that we know. Friends, God is good when he heals. And God is good when we don't see the healing on this side. God is good when the marriage is restored. And God is good when the marriage ends. God is good when the healing does and doesn't take place. God is good in spite of anything and because of everything. When you have your highs, thank God for it. And when you have your lows, thank God that he's with you in it. And in every situation, we remind ourselves what we know to be true. When Hayden asked me this week, why did Bowie die? So ready for that one. And the first thing I said to her is like, Hayden, I don't know the answer to that question. I don't got that one for you. And then she said, well, why do we pray that God will heal when he didn't do it? Definitely wasn't ready for that one. Right? You have kids, those you had kids, you, you, they get these existential questions, right? I said, well, Hayden, let me tell you a story. When I was a kid, I broke some bones. Don't let it make you think I was super athletic. But I broke some bones and I was gonna have to get a surgery. And mom and dad and their friends came in, they prayed for me. 
and I was gonna get the surgery and it was a really bad break. And then the doctors came in and they said, we don't know what happened. Um, the bones, the, the arm is fine, it's done. That happened to me, to your dad? No way. Let me tell you about the story that I had at summer camp. I was about 15 or 16 years old. Where a person came with a cast having broken their arm just before camp. Arm in a full cast. And in worship, their cast breaks off and their arm is fully healed. Let me tell you about all the times that I've seen God do it. Wow, wow. And I don't know why this one didn't happen. But Hayden, we're always going to pray. We're always going to believe. The healing will flow. We sing the song of our kids. At the mention of your name. And I'll stop singing there for you. I'm not going to stop singing that one. I'm not going to stop believing it. God still heals. He still restores. He's still raising the dead. He's still making old lives new. He's still taking people out of the miry clay. And he's taking them out. And he's setting their feet upon a rock. What is the rock? It's Christ, the solid rock on which we stand. All other ground, it's sinking sand, but I'm not standing on some sinking sand. I'm not worried about the future, even though I'm worried about the future. I'm not worried about what is to come, even though I'm anxious about it. In those moments, I draw from the inside of me that says, I know that in spite of what I don't know, I do know that God is good and he will always be good. God is with me and he'll always be with me. He was with me, he is, and he will be. He loves me, he loves me, and he'll love me. He was with me before I even breathed my first breath. He's walking me until I breathe my last. I will worship God, I will praise his name for he's worthy, and I will thank him every day that he's still working, and he's not done with you, and he's not done with you, and even though you don't feel it, he's still working. That is the God that we serve. And we're going to sing again. I want you to stand with me. Would you stand with me? We're going to declare in faith. And friends, you can worship and believe and doubt at the same time as long as your belief tells your doubt what to do. Doubt, get out of here. And until I'm stopped, until I don't feel you anymore, I'm going to keep yelling at you. Like I'm, I'm done with allowing doubt to rule me. I'm gonna say, hey, doubt, you can follow me all you want, but I got a direction I'm heading. I'm believing in faith that God is still good and that he works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. What do you know today? God is worthy to be praised. What do you know today? That Jesus is the only way, he's the only truth, and he's the only way to life. What do you know today? That God loves you in spite of what you did. Yesterday was a failure. Guess what? He's running after you today, and he's squeezing your neck real hard and saying, you can't let me go, I'm with you. Whether you like it or not, I got you. What do you know? God loved you so much that he sent his son to die for your sins so that you would not live in condemnation, but you'd live from the righteousness of God that becomes, comes from what Jesus did. So when we know what we know, we can worship with confidence when you lift your hands. And we're going to sing, I know that you're the wonder-working power. We're going to sing that I believe, God, that you're still doing miracles. I believe that you're still restoring marriages. I believe that you're still working on the earth. I believe that you will still do greater things than we've ever seen before. And it's in your character. So, God, I'm going to sing it out at the top of my lungs. You're going to restore my marriage. God, you're going to restore my kids. My friends who are walking away, 
God, you're running after them. You're pulling them back in. You still love them. You're still working. Come on, can we work them together? for you or you got some vision and ideas that are too big for your own skill set would you lift your hand if there's just things that you know God wants to do but you're like how the heck is he going to do it would you lift your hand and I want to believe that God by his spirit is going to infuse you with some faith that says if you're still breathing I'm not done if I put it in you I'm going to see it come to pass so God we thank you for a spirit of faith that is filling the room and God, that is making its way into the hearts of people. I pray for every discouraged mom that feels like they don't have what it takes and they can feel their kids slipping through their hands. Would you encourage them today? God, would you, would you let them know that you've given them everything that they need? You didn't give them their kids for, for, uh, by accident, but God, you saw it fit to put them here at this time. God, I pray for every business person with vision and ideas that are too grand that they think they can't even accomplish it. God, would you encourage and challenge them to go after it in this year. And God, for every situation dire, every vision big, every struggle, every sin, every issue, we cover it by your presence. Would you give us a strength on the inside? In Jesus' mighty name.